Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. To tell you the honest truth, I thought, well... We're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just un... Like, the feeling, I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling. Like, you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight out of the tree. All we get was a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five star rating and review or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family and that would help us grow. We are back. We are we are refreshed and hydrated, and we are ready to kick on to part two of tonight's uh, live episode. So, uh, for those who may be just joining us or listening to part two of the uh, the podcast, uh, we are joined today by Dean Harrison from Australian Yowie Research. And uh, if you are listening to the audio only version of this. Highly recommend jumping onto the website and looking at that because you'll be able to watch the video version of this as well. So, uh, where we left off last episode or previously on this live stream, the topic of predator mode when it comes to to the Yowie. Mm-hmm. This is something that I hear quite a lot, and I don't know if this is a term that uh, that you're familiar with, but this is just how it's kind of described where. The, the individual um, can be having an encounter with a, with a Yowie, uh, but they can't see it. Ah. They, they hear it moving around. They, um, mm. they, see, they see things moving and things like that. Mm. What's, the, what's the go with this and what's, and what's, your, what's your opinion on it? Okay, well, uh, as we say... There's, there's two types of experiences you can have. There's, there's the sighting, and you can also have an encounter. What you're referring to is an encounter. It's something that you have happening around you. You can't quite see it, or you can't see it well enough, particularly at night time. Yeah, okay. Now, I would have to say that probably 80% 
of people's experiences or encounters at night time are probably just native animals. Yeah. Right? It's Little things can sound so big at night. Koalas are a great example of that. Uh, particularly if you're Japanese. <laughs> uh, now, the koalas, you know, if you're not uh, familiar with the sound of koalas, they can give off the most guttural sound. That if you're not familiar with it, such as, I said before, Japanese, we had experiences with Japanese in Springbrook who totally flipped out over a koala, <laughs> thinking predator, basically. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you've got all that in the equation, but you need to take out a lot of people's interpretations of noises just being simply incorrect. Again, you know, nighttime being as silent as it is, the, the, the sound carries a lot more at night yeah. than it does during the day. That is fact. And people's imaginations get a little bit more wild, particularly, particularly if you're a Yowie researcher. <laughs> and it's probably worth noting that the depending on where they're doing their research, so I'll, I'm going to relate a lot of stuff probably back to my, my region up in Cairns, which is, for those who don't know, very tropical um, type of landscape. And the, I guess the rainforest kind of acts as a sound blanket, so... It traps everything in there too. So what you what you think you're hearing is maybe you think is right next to you could be hundreds of meters away. And it's just bouncing off the essentially the canopy of the forest. I think that is that kind of leads into a lot of what you're saying there too. Yeah. Well Yeah, if you get into the true predator mode of one that is there, a real one. And, you know, again, I'll draw on my own experience of Ormo. It's something that didn't know that I was there to begin with. And so it was making all the noise in the world. It didn't care. But when it realised that I was there, the behaviours changed dramatically. It went to stealth mode, predator mode, and it truly was predator mode. So it went from... Branches coming down, small foliage coming down to nothing. Couldn't hear anything. And then suddenly all you knew was that twig broke, but it was closer this time. Oh, wow. And you know, you're sort of here or there and you're, sort of, you're questioning all this in your mind. You know, was, was it or was it not anything to be concerned about? And then another one, but this was closer again. And think, well, that's really odd. But this one was thick enough that you go, no, 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 that, that, no, no. It was, it was too thick to break on its own or the natural causes. And then you hear the, the foliage slowly parting and leaves that are entwined coming undone and they flick off each other as they part. And then, you know, you, and then it stops. And then you hear it continue and the leaves sort of brushing against. Uh, the body, and then you know, you know, you're in a bit of trouble right now. Uh, when it came down to Buck's footage, um, he, as I, we all know, he heard nothing. He knew nothing of them being there. And these are big, big creatures. And the foliage there, the, the undergrowth there, 
that was pretty thick. I mean, it was pretty dense. There's a lot of leaves. There's a lot of twigs. Yet he heard nothing. He didn't hear them come. And that's that's really fascinating to me because the the creature that you captured. I think we we, we do have um, a little bit of a, a comparison. I just want to get it on the screen before I, I kind of show it off. Is that um. Yeah, here it is. So I'm just going to put this up on the screen. Yeah. And this thing is, what's this, 10, 11 foot tall, 12 foot? It would have to be. Now, I measured this myself. I I was there. And I mean, this is the only logical area that I can see where this footage was. Others kind of disagree with me a little bit. Um, I know Gary particularly says, I think Buck was down here because I was sitting here, da, 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 da. It doesn't work. I mean, I just cannot see how... This is the only logical place that I can see that it could be. Yeah. And you can see by the comparison here... It, it's, it works. It matches pretty closely. It, it does. And you've got that tree that comes right down through the middle. Yep. You've got the fonds that are you know, about the right height as well. And you've got the big tree behind, which they, they entered from behind, obviously, as you would have seen from the footage. So, you know, okay, so if you draw an eight-foot line there... So, and it was, it was eight foot right at that line. You extend that above, well, that's, that's pretty heavy. And I know he's probably listening right now, uh, Glenn the Truckee from Witherin. I know, you, I know you'll be here tonight. I know you're there. Uh, now, this isn't too far away from where Glenn's encounter was. And Glenn had an encounter with a big boy. And Glenn's nodding right now. He's going, yes, yes, yes. Uh, now, Glenn's was roughly about the same height, same size as what you're looking at right now. Oh, wow. Yet on the other mountain range, okay? Not that far away. Now, there's others as well on that other mountain range that are roughly about the same size, same proportions. If you don't know Glenn's, we'll go in and have uh, a look at our withering audio report uh, on the AYR website. It's all there. Now, Glenn talks about this creature that was jumped off an embankment and landed on the road in front of his truck as he's on a, a decline. He's locked it up, he slid, and as he comes right up towards it, he stops just in time. And he says, you know, this thing showed biological characteristics, basically, of a human in terms of emotion, you know, the first one was the shock on the face. The next one was um, embarrassment. The third one, what was that? That was anger. And then, <laughs> and then this thing decided to slam its fist down on his bonnet, which, um, as I would call, is a real brown pants moment. To be in a, in a situation like that, to have this creature, because he was in... Quite a large truck too, and he, from the, the retelling, because Glenn was also a guest on the on the podcast. From his retelling, he had trouble seeing the top of the creature. That is that's scary when you're in basically an earth moving truck. That you're in a vehicle that's so large that this thing hmm. you're coming up to its belly button at your eyes. <laughs> this is terrifying to think that you were potentially well that. Your crew was so close to such an aggressive creature as well. But not only one, two. Or 
there's actually other things out there as well that we just can't explain. Yeah, and that's something that we'll touch on touch on shortly. But what I what really blows my mind about this is that this creature, potentially 10, 11 foot tall, that thing would weigh half a ton. And it made no noise. How, how is that possible? It's Buck's death. He's probably, dr- <laughs> probably drunk at the same time. This uh, thing was stumbling all over the place. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, Buck was. Yeah. Um, no, well, you know, I mean, this is the thing. And again, you know, if, if you get back into a lot of the uh, documentation from the Aboriginals, the early documentations from the 1800s and early 1900s, um, prior to today's technology and today's Aboriginals, uh, they will tell you about Featherfoot. They will tell you, you know, why he's called Featherfoot. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I didn't know they had a name for him like yeah, that. called Featherfoot. Wow. It is intriguing because... As it says here, I mean, they can come upon you with no noise. Yeah. And you've seen these creatures move in, in real time with your own eyes. It's... These things aren't floating. Like, I, I'm, and I want to touch on like a couple of these woo elements. Like, people. Uh, uh, well, there's there's an anomaly. Okay. I have a page of anomalies, and one of the anomalies is floating. Really? Okay. You've just opened up a, a whole whole other. It avenue is here. something we hear quite often. The motion that it makes is in a floating manner. Yes, yes, yes. I've heard this many times from mm. people who, who have come on the podcast, not even come on the podcast, but just wanted to say, hey, this is what I saw because it's hard. It's so hard for people to come forward and talk about, hey, I saw a yowie. That's hard enough. And then to explain it in such a way. Exactly. Oh, I saw this thing float across the walkway. Mm. And it's like, what? What? Well, Gary seems to think it's just in the way their joints move. You know, An optical illusion? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're trying to be stealth and they have a, a method to put their foot down, perhaps on the sides, rolling around, on the sides, rolling around, uh, as not to cover so much ground bluntly. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. So, and therefore you're putting your knees in a certain context and your, and your, your whole body and you get used to doing this all the time, particularly if you're trying to be stealth with all these humans around everywhere in your area. Now, yeah, that's an idea, but yeah, a lot of people say, "Well, I just can't explain it." He just went across, just like he was gliding, just in that smooth motion. I've had people, multiple people, contact me and say they've seen these things float and then disappear before their very eyes. Oh, I hate getting onto that subject. What's your thoughts on that? I don't have thoughts on it. I'm not allowed to have <laughs> is it um is it is it too out of the the scope of what you think this creature is? I think is? flesh and blood is hard enough as it is. Let's not yeah. make it any harder. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's fair because I think and not to say to, to anyone who's who's witnessed this, but you've kind of seen something that's not supposed to exist. It's it's paradigm breaking. Um it's it's world shattering. Like these are these are things that turn everything upside down. Like you're essentially you've seen a bloody monster. 
it, it is life-changing, as I say, monotonously, that uh, for so many people, and I know people uh, and or people who have known people who have died because they just couldn't handle it. Yeah. Because it plagued their minds so much. It was just, it consumed them. And I'm, I know what that's like. I, I've been one of these people, particularly after I got hit. It took me eight months to get a good night's sleep because there's all these things bouncing around inside my head, uh, inhibiting me from sleeping, basically. Because I, I, there's, there's more answers, uh, so more, more questions than answers. I, I, and the main question was, why? Why did it hit me? Yeah. What did I do? I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was minding my own business. I could imagine there's a real victim complex when it comes to this. And exactly, exactly. I, that's how I felt. Yeah. And it was almost, it was almost like it could be a human-on-human interaction. That's how it felt. Um, that, good analogy. That's how I – yeah. It, 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 I had PTSD for about eight, uh, yeah, about eight months. Yeah. And it was a real victim sort of mentality of why, why, what did I do? And, and the, the problem is – you wouldn't have anyone to go to to talk about that. Oh, just me. Yeah. Just me. Just like everyone else, they'll come to us. <laughs> I, I come to me. <laughs> or me. Or me. Um, but the, the thing is, like, before you existed, before AYR was a thing, mm. like, there, there was nothing for this. This was this is something that people laughed about at the pub. Um, if, you, if you even dared to share this, you were, you were ridiculed. And, you know, that stigma still exists today, but... It's, I, I genuinely believe it's starting to, to get better. I think it's starting to disappear a bit. There's been a huge change. Uh, well, obviously, AYR has a, a big part to play in that. But I think the social media, etc. cetera, um, you know, I, can, I can digress a lot about well, on this subject. You know, back, in, back in the older days, nobody had anyone to talk to about it. Yeah. There was no communications. It's a long way between one house and the other uh, on horseback. And so you have an encounter like that, and again, the fear of ridicule, as you're saying. Uh, you kept it to yourself, or you may have told a family member or a close friend at best. So it lived and died with you. Yeah. And we don't have records of any of that. Uh, so as time evolves, some of them leak out into the media, and they're the only ones that we want... Oh, the, the only ones that, that we hear of uh, from those days, say like you know, early 1800s, the first being 1825, uh, right into you know, mid-1950s, nobody had anyone to document this stuff. And it's so important. So much lost. All this history is lost. We don't have – all we have is what's in the newspapers now, which we have a trove of. Um, but even today – and this is important – even today – if someone has uh, a sighting, they don't go to the media. So you're not going to get these newspaper sightings. Yet we get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds coming in all the time. Uh, and we can at least document it and do things properly. But all those people of yesteryear, uh, it's, 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 it's gone. I mean, all this history is lost. Yeah. And this is another thing. Why the Aboriginals, a lot of the uh, the first uh, nations people, are now coming to us because they're, they're uniquely aware that their their culture etc is being watered down 
a lot and a lot of their stories that have been handed down from generation to generation, they're all being lost and they're fearful of this. We have a lot of them coming to us now saying, we want this documented properly. That's amazing. Yes. Because it is to, for, for Aboriginal culture to, to share that willingly is, like, that's, that's astronomical. Back in the old days, I mean, it was the concept, of, say, say back in the 1800s and 1900s, uh, it was the concept that you know, if, if you had to talk to a white person about the Yowie per se, you had to get uh, permission from an elder. Yep. And it's not like that anymore. But even back in those days, it wasn't quite the case either because documentation shows in the 1800s, a lot of the Aboriginals were talking to journalists and writers, da 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 da, all the way through that period. They were talking openly. Uh, and now they're coming to us and they're talking with great enthusiasm. That's incredible because it is, it's this untapped resource of knowledge that's 100,000 years old that the, I guess the history is just passed down generation to generation. To, to put it into a, an archival stance with you hmm. is phenomenal. It is something that will, if the data you get from that can be extracted in a way that is, I guess, not, not, I'm not, not useful, but a way that you can learn from it. Who knows? Well, it's what the- protected forever. And once it's with us, it's protected. It's with the Australian National Library, Trove, etc. Anything that's on our website is protected forever. But also the, the knowledge that you can gain for, for future expeditions and, oh. and, and things like that. It's, you just don't know. They could just, they could just give you this tiny tiny whisper of information that just turns the whole game on its head for you. Well, it's just like some of that, that information that I, I showed before. You know, they can appear upon you with almost no noise. And then also what was interesting about was all the, the abductions that they were talking about back in uh, the, the early to, to mid-1800s where they, they talk about the women and, and children uh, being taken at force. And I did a, an expedition over in the Solomon Islands where we interviewed, well, actually, firstly, I digress, that a lot of the natives that worked in Honiara, they lived out in the hills, in the villages, remote. I mean, these guys were so fit. There was no problem for them to just, like, jog back, you know, 10, 15 kilometres yeah. back home up through, through the hills. But if night time came and they were on their way home, they would hide underneath the thickest foliage they could find and wait until daylight because of the, the, the fear of the hairy man. Really? Yeah. And in, these, in these, these journals here that I'm talking about, we're still talking about uh, the, uh, the, the fear, the fear at night time, you know, not wanting to leave the camp at night. Exactly the same. This, this, is, this might sound absolutely incredibly ignorant of me, but I find it... Incredible that such landlocked communities can have this type of creature living there. Because this is this is one of the the great things about, you know, the, the Bigfoot, the Yowie, is that it kind of exists everywhere. You know, there's there's not really a, a continent that hasn't got it apart from Antarctica that we know of. Um, that 
that hasn't really got this creature. So to, for it to get onto such landlocked islands like that, that is how how does it get there? Well, you see, it began about uh, well, I don't know how many how many years, but I can say when it ended, it ended about seven thousand years ago when uh, the Torres Strait was flooded. So there's a land bridge that came down through Indonesia. And it's been shown in science, paleontology will show you, yes, they, they, this is how the Aboriginals got here, etc. Well, there's something else that came down through there as well. Yeah. And then once it got landlocked, it was trapped here. Uh, now, they'll also say that you know, the Aboriginal skull began gracile like ours, and then there was a, a percentage of DNA all through the Torres Strait, all through the islands, that changed it. So uh, back 200,000 years ago, 100,000 years ago, 50, whatever. The world was a, a melting pot of DNA. We're all interbreeding. And science paleontology says that they believe that a lot of the women and children, particularly the women, they're they taken from uh, other groups and they're bred with. So therefore all this DNA was all being mixed. And you can see how all these different species and genus and da-da-da-da were, were, being pop, were popping up all over the places because they're all, they're all mating. Uh, so that being said, as they're coming down through the Torres Strait, uh, there was something else there that, that bred with them and changed their DNA to you know, the 5 to 7% mark, made them look a little bit different. Um, so then all that flooded and whatever's here is still here. And I think once the science finds you know, the first fossil record... yeah. It's, it's going to be a big race. That's a question that gets raised a lot. Is that how come? How come a body hasn't been found? That's one of the more more simple answers because it is so obvious. They were, they were burying their dead two hundred thousand years ago. Why wouldn't they be now? You know, where you find one, you'll find another not too far away. That is fact. So if that's the fact, then you know that if Uncle Charlie dies over there of natural causes, um, you know, you're not going to kick a few leaves over him and let him to be picked apart by uh, predators, smaller animals, or be found, more importantly, by humans. Yes. Yeah. If one gets hit by a car or a truck on the side of the road, uh, which could happen because they make very foolish mistakes on the road, and you can't help but believe it's deliberate some uh, so if one of them gets clocked by a vehicle, uh, you've got another one there to, to take. And I think that's the reason they always work in twos. Yeah, they always it's work like in twos. a buddy system. So if you're looking at the footage that Buck took, for example, here's a classic example, right? So you've got the big one that comes out from the tree and he leans over and he extends this big long arm out and he picks something up. Out comes the other one from behind him. Now what does the one behind him do? And they both know that there's humans in the area because what are we doing? We're playing classical music at the time as an attractor. Now, this one that's, that's come out and he's picked something up. Now, he's looking directly at base camp. The one behind him, what's he doing? He's got his back to him. Yeah, it's like they back up to each other. They back up to each other. The other one's watching the back because they know humans are in the area. Um, so this one, he's picked something up. And, he, and if you watch it really carefully... He's, he's gone over like this and he's handed it over the shoulder of the other one and the other one's taken. Now he's gone back down for the second time, picked something else up and headed back. I've been on that location. I cannot work out what it is. There's nothing there that I can see that is worth attention. 
Yeah, it's it's fascinating because I, I've seen the the like that raw footage and it blew my mind. Like it, it is it is genuinely the the most amazing thing that I've I've ever seen when it comes to 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 Bigfoot or, or Yowie related and the the camaraderie between these creatures. It's that's what I say. That's how they operate. I've always it's said, incredible. you find one, you'll find another, not too far away. The way they operate it is exactly, that's the textbook. This is what I'm saying. So if you have one that dies, you're not going to find their body. Of course you're not going to find their body. I have a question for you. Another now, you, you say, oh, I have so many questions for you, Mr. Dean Harrison. Um, the, this body system, do you think, the buddy system exists because there's not just Yowies in the bush. Oh. Because. Yeah. Yes. Because right. the the thing is, I hear a lot of stories of unknown creatures that aren't Yowies in the bush. Bi- yeah. Bipedal, but not Yowies. And um, you just happened to, <laughs> to capture one of these. Well, Buck did anyway. Well, Buck is this absolute magic man when it comes to this stuff um this here this i like it genuinely gives me chills looking at this because i've heard stories of creatures like this in the bush Mm. um a good a good friend of mine attila was out shooting a documentary around this this topic there was something in the bush that wasn't a yaoi and it wasn't a person. Mm. It was something like this. Mm. And it, it, <laughs> it changes everything when something like this is out there. And now a quick word from us. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Sponsor. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. Well, this is where I don't want to put myself out on a limb and say too much. Um, I won't speak my my mind totally on it, but I do have an opinion. uh, And my guys know my opinion, I guess. Uh, now, if you watch the, the moving shots of this, it's behind a tree stump. Now, you can see there's, there's flaws in the stump and the light signature is shining through. The heat, the heat signature is shining through. Now, this thing is watching Buck, and I think this may have been the first radio communication we received from Buck when he said to us, hey, I've got something in front of me and it's watching me. I think this may have been it. So it's behind this stump and it's watching, it's watching, it's moving its head, it's moving its head up and down, it's looking from around it, etc. To me, that's pretty scary. That's pretty disconcerting, especially... Could you imagine being out there on your own, heavily... um, uh, in, in the bush. Secluded, away from, from... Obligated, heavily obligated in the bush. 
And something like this comes upon you silently. Uh, I, again, this is where I come down to missing people and I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. Not, not at all. But when there's scary things lurking out there in the bush, when, you know, again, I, I do have my opinion. I might talk about it another time. Uh, yeah, disconcerting. So, so this thing, there's this thing, right? So there's this thing. But then there's another one. There's another one that looked a little bit different. That had a more of a cloaked uh, sort of head. And we've got another story about this. Now, this is here. Now, I'm not sure whether this is the same one or not, but you can see that it has. You can see the shoulders, and you see the leg below, and there's those hot eyes as it's looking to its left. Now, the direction that it's looking is towards base camp. He's looking towards us. Now, we were in very, very thick bush, probably, I'm guessing now, probably about 50, 60, 100, no, probably about 60 metres, 80 metres, I don't know, somewhere in that vicinity. Uh, could have been 100 metres. And he's looking down towards us, and again we are playing that music, and these are some of the first images that Buck took. Uh, now, this doesn't look like the two that came out from behind that tree, does it? This thing looks skinny. It looks... It, it's it's completely different. And the, the thing that came to my mind with this first one, um, where you don't get to see this figure as much, is that I, um, I wonder... If, it the thought of a, a junjity came through your mind, so the the smaller version of a of a yow, and that's that's really putting it in a, a poor poor well, term. Well, well, no, because it's a completely different shape to the ones. I mean, the the, the other ones, the other ones we saw, they were in the perfect uh, shape, the perfect form of like a human, but without a neck, mm. which is you know the, the classic description. These these things look different. Uh, and I don't think I want to come up against or find one of these things by myself in the in the bush at night. Have you have you ever heard of the term of a rake? Mm. Yeah. Because no, I'm going to say, man, this is what this looks like. You know, like this looks like something, something large, something spangly, something that's kind of just not natural. I mean, this is the reason, as I've said before, that most natives of most continents don't walk the bush at night and say, don't walk the bush alone at night. Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there's, there, there seems to be stuff out there. Now, that is really freaky. Now, the backstory on this, the backstory, the forward story on this, there's a forward story. Um, two weeks later, we're at the same location. Myself and was myself, Gary... Uh, Buck, and I think Shannon, and we, we decided we were going to go out on a reconnaissance. It was roughly about midnight. And we'd gone down to a place where we called the Crossroads, which is about 100 metres away from camp, in the other direction to where this was. We'd had very little action that night, and all the signs had gone. We thought these things had moved on. Uh, we got down to the Crossroads, and myself and Gary said, hey, we, we're just going to go back and get our little camping chairs and hooked to our backpacks 
um, before we go off and, uh, on this hike. So as we're heading back, we're in a direct line with base camp and Buck. Buck had his thermals, now we've got five, uh, and he's watching us. He's watching himself and Gary walk, 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 walk all the way back up the straight line, up this dirt track, all the way back to, back to base. And then we get this radio feed and he says, did one of you just walk off into the bush? Negative. Are you sure one of you haven't walked in? No, 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 haven't. Now, Gary's standing behind me as we're walking. We're walking in line. And the way myself and Gary walk, the way we operate, is that we'll walk in tune of each other. Each step is the same. So it sounds like one person as we walk. Oh, right. So left, right, left, right, left, right. Been around for a while. Not just a pretty face. Not our first radio. Uh, So Buck can't see two of us. All he can see is one of us. Because Gary's like an eclipse, right? The cries a lot. And out from behind us, from the left-hand side, comes this, comes that. Wow. Out from the left, and it walks straight across the track behind us into the bush on the other side. And guess what? We heard nothing. We didn't even know it happened. We had no idea it happened. And Buck was, it was a big deal for Buck. Yeah. Because he wasn't, he didn't press record. He, because oh. he, he didn't think anything was going to happen. Right? Yeah, of course. So, so I mean, you know, why, I mean, we're, we're always just panning around, looking at this, looking at that, and see something, okay, hit record. And he's just doing, in this situation, he's doing exactly the same thing. He's just watching us go back to base. And out it comes behind us. And he said it was about six feet tall. He said it was stooped, bipedal without a question. He's watching it walk. Uh, and he said the head was kind of cloaked. Like this, and it resembled that, and it came out from left to right, went into the bush, and he is still talking about it to this day. And that was months ago. He is still about it. That that's that's scary. That's scary because mm. who who knows what this is? Who knows what it's capable of? And now who wants to be out there alone? Is what I'm e- saying. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's actually that is, that is scary stuff. Yowies are scary, but the unknown. There's a lot of energy out there. Absolutely. The bush is the bush is alive. The bush is one hundred percent alive. And man, I, I, I don't know about you, but like you telling me that I actually got chills. Hmm. Because does that does that change your mindset going out there? Oh, I think there's always security in numbers. And these things behave differently when you're in numbers. If you're alone, they behave differently, just as they do between the the, the contrast between day and night. Yeah, they always feel safer in, in numbers. A lot of the American Bigfooters said we're absolutely mad for sleeping in hammocks, particularly that night when the two came out. Well, actually, all of these came out. Uh, they all came out to play, and yet we slept in hammocks for between three and six o'clock in the morning or whatever time it was. Well, they slept. I didn't. Human chainsaws. <laughs> How could you sleep after that? I don't know. Go ask them. Well, Buck was drunk. It makes sense. Gary's crying in his pillow. 
He was, he was exhausted. He was dehydrated all the tears. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that is yeah, no. that's incredible, Dean. I um I have absolutely no words. And like the the thing is, there's there's no question that these things don't exist. You've captured it. Like this is that is just absolute photographic evidence that. And what it does is raise more questions and answers, and as it will. Yeah. But we're in a good position. We've got the right equipment. We've proven that. Uh, we just need to – I always say it's a numbers game. We need to be out there more often because – You're out there more often, You more chances of, mm. of catching that it's fish. It's a numbers game. Cross yep. paths with them at one stage. We were very, very fortunate <laughs> for this because we saw the signs before it happened. Yeah. So we had a reason to be there because we followed the signs. Yeah, that's that's insane. It's um, And that was based on – Two two decades of experience. Yeah, yeah, and that's the that's the difference that you have to a lot of other researchers out there. Is that I think there's a lot of hearsay out there, a lot of a lot of guessing, and a lot of uh, matter of fact is the case when it comes to to Yowies. Um, the the difference with you is that you've invested so much of this of your of your into this of your time of your of your, I guess, your wealth, your, your dollar values. Um, these things just don't happen. You know, the, the research that you do, the, the reports that you put out, they, they all cost your time. There's, there's a value to that. It costs a lot of money as well. Yeah, indeed. And for, for anyone to say, nah, that's not, that's not what it is, is an absolute injustice to the decades of work that you've you've genuinely put into this stuff. It's um, I think you're doing an absolute service to the to Australia to the world actually because you know it's it's no secret the the footage that you captured uh, that your team captured that that buck uh, was luckily enough to find is some of the best footage that's that's out there and it's it's held up to so many people who may think otherwise they there's so much history that goes along with what you've done is that there's no bullshit with you it goes to show that they can be filmed exactly exactly and if it's okay with you Dean I want to I want to open up the this last I don't know 15-20 minutes potentially some questions from the listeners 11 minutes. 11 minutes. We'll, we'll go a little bit over time because, um, you know, it's a special we'll occasion. Um, but I, I saw a really good question from a, a gentleman by the name of Lionel. And it was a long, long time ago, so I'm kind of going off um, off memory with it. But he um, he said that you you did a, a TV interview where you said one of these creatures needs to essentially be captured. I might be – I'm absolutely paraphrasing that. But what's the is, – is that still – an objective for you or is that still I, something I, I that you want to do? I've never never said that before. I have no recollection of saying that where I've said one of them needs to be captured. What I have said in the past is I have had one dealt with. Yeah. That might be what he's referring to. Maybe. Maybe. It's um it is Do you think one should be captured? I do. I don't think you have a chance of capturing one at all. It's not an option. It's not an option. Yeah. Uh, look, it's, it's it's not it's it's not my it's not in my psyche. It's it's not nothing that I, I think about. 
It's, I mean, it's, it's one of the, these grey areas, but, oh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I just do what I do. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. I, I, I don't have any thoughts on that subject per se. And it's probably the best way to go because if you always want to have that, that mindset of capturing one, you, you, you're just going to come home disheartened. I think just, just do what you do and that's what we do and just, just keep one foot in front of the other, just keep doing what you do. Absolutely. I think that's great. I think that's great. So, so um, philosophical. <laughs> it's very deep. So deep, a bit too deep for me. Um, <laughs> so here's a great question, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher everyone's names. I haven't got my glasses on. Uh, so uh, Taliska uh, asks, Dean, why do you think the Blue Mountains is such a hot spot for Yowies? Uh, because the vast mountain ranges and the deep valleys, uh, if you've been there before, you'd understand. It is so remote. There's areas there that have been untraversed. It is mind-boggling. Yet on the outskirts and surrounding is the human habitat. So they're going to impact. Good question. Good answer. Uh, Shane asks, has uh, Dean heard Yowie's whistle or imitate humans to play tricks on them? Hi Shane, I know who you are. Um, yeah, absolutely. They'll they'll communicate with each other, making animal noises. Now, if you've been spent time with the natives of different areas or different countries, they will tell you if you want to talk to somebody or get someone's attention, you take the tone out of the voice. So, therefore, you'll make you 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 make noises take the tone out of the voice. You make clicky noises and you, and you can make animal noises, particular, particular animal noises that you can associate, like, okay, that's such and such. You can communicate with a particular type of animal. So, yes, absolutely they will. This is a really great question. My from, mouth's getting dry. Sorry, folks. No, that's all good. I'll, um, I'll ask this long question. So uh, uh, this comes from uh, Dean, uh, sorry, Ben Elder. Uh, Dean, how would you describe the sense... Uh, you are honing where you are picking up Yowie's being nearby. So maybe not worded great, but um, let, let me reword that. Dean, how do you how do you sense that Yowie's are nearby? Is there is there some t- telltale signs? Because a lot of people say the bush goes dead, like a switch gets hit, a vacuum is made. Do you encounter anything like that? Oh, again, this is one of these this is one of these fringe topics that we can talk about. At depth, because I've got my own experiences in different capacities regarding the same sort of thing. So I, I understand what you're saying. Some no, you know what? I don't really want to go there. Uh, for us right now, it, it's, it's kind of like I mean, there's, there's, there's different ways. I mean, we just did the physical thing, how we found these guys. So we did the physical thing just by finding the signs and knowing what we're looking for. That's how we found them. But there's other times where you just get that feeling, uh, and uh, yeah, I can I, I can talk a lot more about that. Not just my own uh, circumstances, and situations, experiences, but you know, that of others as well. And that's the thing; like these encounters are usually so unique and so personal that you may find some common ground between them. But the I guess the the real depth and the real beauty of each encounter is that how each person interprets it. Because I'm sure that you've been out with people who have had an Something happened, but they've taken it a completely different way. Yeah, yeah, and you know, sometimes 
incorrectly. Yeah. Uh, again, that, that, that's a topic for another time. Uh, here's a great question from Michael Lane, and this is something that um, a lot of people reference with Yowie encounters. Have you ever smelled one? Because this is something that gets brought up a lot. Like, one thing that gets brought up a lot for me is, um, like, burning electrical, like a burning electrical smell. Yeah, like the one that hit me. Yeah, really? Yeah, like sulfuric, uh, burning electrical, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the, the, the interesting thing is that when people have, well, a lot of people have these encounters, they associate a, a smell, some sort of odour uh, with, with that creature, now, quite often it's going to be like rotten eggs, it'll be rotten garbage, wet horse smell will come up regularly. Um, now, burnt electrical sulfuric comes up regularly as well. So, so on this particular night that I was, I was hit, that's the first thing that I hit, I, I, I smelled, was this, this Bakelite burning electrical smell. And I thought it was just... An odour coming out through the fissures of the rocks because it was all very damp and there was like uh, moss and all that sort of jazz around. It was sort of kind of slippery and I thought that must be what it is. And I'd radio down the base and Steve, the policeman there, said, no, careful because you know what that could be associated with. Nah, very complacent. Uh, but it ended up that was actually one of them, um, that, that smell. Yet uh, when I was hanging out with the friendly one, all those times, and so close to him all those times, in the Blue Mountains, this is not a smell, not not ever, not once. So it potentially could be attached to some form of aggression? Well, they're saying the, the, the male gorillas can let off an odour as a defence. Yeah, right. You know, again, it comes down to the fact that we don't know everything about these, these creatures, these beings. Yep. Uh, we don't know what they're capable of or not. It's... um. It's a it's an interesting element of these of these creatures because it's it's something that's kind of brought up fairly often and it's for me it always seems to be around those more aggressive types of encounters where people are kind of getting herded out and I wonder if it's like a I personally my completely uneducated guess is that they're pissing everywhere they're marking their territory and I wonder if that's what they're doing is that. They, they just have this absolute pungent smell that they can just produce. I wonder if that's the case. Well, uh, back in the many years ago when uh, Dr. Helmut Luftswissoa was around, uh, he was the only Australian academic at the uh, ANU that was uh, very vocal about this. He'd done decades of uh, research in different countries on, on the same uh, subject, a German background, and he always said to me that his belief was that, uh, which is all flesh and blood, of course, uh, he believed that because they're covered in hair, especially their bottoms, um, when they defecate, they're not going to clean themselves properly and that's where the the smell originates from. Uh, I'm not too sure about that. Mm. I mean, mean, it could come down to diet and these differing types of smells, but there, there are certainly probably about three leading smells that are associated with the Yowie. Yeah, that's uh, it, it's an interesting topic, and it's something that can um, you can really dive down on. Um, this might be a loaded question, and you can say yes or no if you want to answer it or not. Uh, the the Patterson Gimlin film. What's your thoughts on it? 
just say pass? <laughs> Don't buy it? No, nothing makes sense. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's, it's something that I've always been very um, weary of. I have my reasons for saying that. I've got my, I've got reasons for saying that. Uh, but, you know, again, I'll hold those over for perhaps the next time. That that we'll we'll have that conversation after we we stop hitting record. I think because I'm I'm very interested to uh, to hear that. Um, oh, there was a really great question here. Um, oh my goodness, it was. Are we running over time yet? A little bit, but that's okay. Um, I'm sorry, I can't remember who asked it, but it was um, about gifting. What's your thoughts on gifting? Yeah, uh, it was Craig Zammett. So Craig Zammett, oh, actually. Oh, okay, Craig. I know Craig has, yeah, Craig, it, Craig. Everyone knows Craig he's Zammett. He's a good guy. Yeah, Craig's a great guy. We all love Craig. Uh, yeah, absolutely, Craig. Yeah, yeah, you're right on the money. Uh, yes, there are gifting, and it's called all this bartering that's been happening for, well, you know, in all cultures, really, within America or, or here or wherever. It's always gone on, whether it be you know, the Aboriginals or the white people, but it's going on today. Yeah, right. So how close are you to... Um, to, to trading Gary. <laughs> no, no, he cries too much. <laughs> Look, uh, these are, these are all great questions. So um, let's uh, let's see if there's anything else because uh, we might be able to wrap this up. And um, okay, here we go. Another great question. This one came in from uh, Ben as well. Uh, what do you agree with regarding the uh, the documentary on the missing four one one? So have you David seen Pilates, that? Yeah. yeah, Pilates, Pilates. Tomato, tomato. Uh, Mr. Pilates. Um, yeah, what's, have you seen the documentary, Missing 411? Yeah, yeah, he's on the right track. I don't believe, well, necessarily believe everything, as no one should. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, essentially, yeah, as I've always said, yeah, there's a lot of missing people in this country attributed to the Yowie. Yeah. Of which I've nearly been one on quite a few occasions. I'm very fortunate. I have a – this one hasn't been asked, and I'm absolutely astonished, so I'm going to ask it. What's your thoughts about the government knowing that this creature exists and and hiding the fact? Now, I am working to get my hands on a army handbook for around this area because apparently they have protocols in it for – it's in Ingham, so about two hours south from where we are. They have protocols in their handbook about – how to deal with a Yowie encounter. I'd like to see that. It, if I get my hands on this, you'll be the first person I send it to. But what's your thoughts on it? Do you think the do you think the government knows about these things? Yes, the government does know about this, and that's about all I can say about that. All right. <laughs> that's a rabbit hole, I think. That's a uh, offline rabbit they hole. They do know about it, yes. Yeah, um, because the, the implications of these creatures, if... It was just commonly known. Huge implications. Absolutely. And the ramifications on the, um, the economy is, is enormous. It's all different spectrums of the economy. And it's logging, mining, and it's the tourism. and National parks, real all, estate. And just, 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 just public hysteria and, and the rest. And also there's public liability, and that's a huge one. Oh, yeah. You know, what do you know about them? How dangerous are they? And then being sued because there's no signs up. Uh, a lot of our witnesses who've had a traumatic experience have said, why aren't there signs? 
It's a fair question. I mean, it's a well, it's kind of a naive question. It's a fair question. It's a naive question, but it's a very honest question above all because suddenly their world is is, is just changed. It, yeah. Why aren't there signs? Yep. I, mean, I can understand why there's no signs. You could probably understand why there's no signs. Indeed. Indeed. Look, uh, we might have time for maybe one or two more questions, and then we might look at wrapping up tonight. Um, I think that I think that might be it. I think everyone's kind of questioned out. Okay, okay. Everyone's gone home. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. We are running quite late tonight. Um, with dash cams being so widely used now, why do you think there hasn't been any clear footage? Now, this is a loaded question. Because well, there has been, but I call them all fake. Yeah, and you know what? I'm, I'm also going to answer this is that not just relating to dash cams because everyone carries their phone on them. Like Everyone's got this little device in their pocket that captures amazing 4K quality video. The last thing that people are going to think when they are seeing this gigantic monster standing in front of them is, I'm going to get a selfie. Yeah, if you, got, if you have a, a manual camera... You are not going to take the time to pull that out of your pocket, you know, open it up, put your password in, whatever, um, get that up, that app up, and then take a photo. You, that's the last thing that's on your mind. Self-preservation is what's on your mind. Uh, when it comes to dash cams, there's been a couple of uh, images and or videos sent to us. Highly questionable as far yeah. as I'm concerned. But there will come a time with the prevalence of death, uh, death cam again. <laughs> death cam. Um, with, with dash cams that, um, that, that there will be footage, absolutely. Because yeah. a lot of our uh, sightings, a, a big percentage of our sightings are roadside. Yeah, I think, I think it's really a matter of technology catching up with our will to find these creatures because um, – Flow drones are becoming more and more accessible. Um, I, I recently saw that the the US Army is developing flow drones that are essentially silent. Yeah, yeah so good. And uh, you somehow need to get your hands on that because I think uh, drones drones will be the game changer for this. Because with with your insight about how these things they don't they don't disappear, they just hug the tree, they mm. blend in that mm. way. Mm. This changes that. If if you were able to get that bird's eye view and see that this creature isn't moving away it's still right there that that really levels that that playing field so um because that that kind of will answer one one person's question is here is like do you ever think we'll get proof or, or capture proof i think we've captured more than enough proof of these things yeah well it's it's really stepped up in the last couple of years again uh, particularly because of having a great crew and and this technology we've taken on board uh, I, I think we'll 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 end up getting more footage uh, yeah. over the next you know, six to twelve months. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to end it on this question. This this will be the the last question that we take for the night. Um, is that do you think they're hiding out in caves during the day at all? Have you got evidence related to to caves with these creatures? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, just like any person living off the land, you make the most of any opportunity that you have. Home is always home. They'll always roam, but they'll come home. And you'll always have your, your particular places where you'd seek shelter along that trail, uh, on that on that journey. On their circuit type on of the, thing. On their circuit, yeah. And that's what it is. It's pretty much a circuit. Uh, and uh, you know, it could be a, a massive hollowed-out tree. It could be a cave. 
Uh, it could be one of these little dwellings that they they build made of sticks and yeah. so on. In uh, in one of the early Aboriginal stories that I have here, saying that they make it out of stone, but stones just pile them up. Oh wow! And uh, and use that for shelter. There you go. Very interesting stuff. Dean, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show tonight. It's been such a treat. Uh, it's taken us, like we said at the, the start or the first episode, depending how you're listening or watching this. took us a little while to get you here, but I'll tell you what, it's been uh, well worth the wait, mate, because it's been fantastic chatting to you. Your, your insight, your knowledge, it's, uh, it's second to none. And uh, we really only scratched the surface of what we kind of planned to, to talk about tonight because you brought us a, an absolute gold mine of... Um, we haven't even started on these pictures yet. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is just stuff that you guys have seen a, a little bit of. Um, some of the things that Dean showed me, I, I gasped when he showed me. And that's not even me being dramatic. I was, I was literally floored. So, uh, Dean, this is an open invitation for you to come on the show anytime you want to share some of these goodies well if your listeners want me back um there's enough support there well we, we can talk about that in the future well it looks like the ball's in your court guy so i'm leaving this one up to you uh dean where can people find you if they aren't already following you uh yaoihunters.com yaoihunters one word.com as easy as that and uh you will find just the best crew of people not not only the people that you have on your team but the the forums the everything that goes along with that because you literally you have an army with you a lot of of the people on the forum the ayr forum uh in particular some of these guys have been around for a couple of decades and they know their stuff so if you've got questions it's another good place to uh seek your answers Indeed, indeed. And guys, if you like this content, uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Um, subscribe to Dean's YouTube channel because honestly, you have to, if you haven't seen the footage, he's got two. He's, he's a bit fancy. Um, he, this guy pumps out more content and he puts, uh, you put so much work into the videos that you do that um, it makes me feel. It makes me feel sick too. Yeah. <laughs> There's, there's really the only only person that might be out doing you for for content is um those boys over at the paranormal portal who seem to be putting out content oh, 20, oh, 24 hours a day i forgot his name uh, her name uh, yeah something like that yeah who knows small small time guys yeah uh, whatever who knows but uh look guys thank you so much for for tuning in tonight and if you do want to see dean back let us know uh hassle dean a lot so much hassle me and, uh, I feel like it's a telethon. Indeed, call in now. Actually, we didn't even get to the call in lines. There's uh, just so much great content for donations. us to go here. Um, but uh, if you guys do want to support support us, indeed, share us with someone. Share us with your friends. That's honestly the best way that you can support me, and I, I assume that would be one of the best ways people can support you is by just sharing you with the world. All right, so let's wrap this up for tonight. Indeed. Thank you very much, guys. I've been Cade Moyer. This has been Dean Harrison, and you have been joining us for the Believe podcast. And that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au. Or you can message me on Facebook, and that's facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. Until next time, stay safe, and you've been listening to Believe Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.